1: mean old lion media presents the history of being black welcome 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 to the history of being black podcast where we're talking about all things being in black on multiple black levels and i'm here with my black self jay hall with ebony mcmorris how are you
2: Hey, Jay, how are you, man? It is an honor to be on this platform with you, my brother. i watch you and stalk you, but I haven't had a chance to talk
1: to you. It is. Yo, I, I was like, I'm about to be a, like when they was telling me you was going to come on. It was kind of one of those things with like, this might gonna be my first time really her. I'm always seeing your picture in offense, you know, and uh, our videos go up sometimes side by side. Sometimes I'm blessed to have my video go up next to yours. I feel all important and righteous.
2: Ah, it's all love. Family here <laughs> doing the doing the same work, man. Doing the same
1: work. Yes, yes, and, and you know, you and I talk. We even had like somewhat similar backgrounds, knowing the same people. So it's crazy how small this world is, especially in black journalism. So it really is an honor to have you uh, on this show. Uh, I just want to say thank you personally in front of everyone. No,
2: thank you very good much. To be here. Thank yeah.
1: you. So you know now we know each other. It won't feel so weird when I borrow ten dollars from you because gas. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't be like the tinder swindler what was that for people? Was like, who is lending that much money I
1: have I, I've been shooting low I mean, that's you what
2: I thought
1: <laughs> that's what I thought so um, your official title for AURN American Urban Radio Network that's where we both do work at you're the White House correspondent for that correct I
2: am that would be me here
1: how does one get that job? That's not something that's like in the ads. Even when you go to college, you know, it's not something like you raise your hand and you major in. Can you describe that kind of position or that place?
2: Yeah. So um, serving with as the White House Correspondent for American Urban Radio Network, I've been in news for 20 plus years, um, radio, done some TV, uh, worked for NBC on the National News, desk. worked for black media. This is a different room. And... When the position came available, it's actually a room that I always wanted to be in. So this is a position, and this is just a note to people talking about speaking things. From a, uh, a young little girl, uh, my mother used to sign my cards saying to my White House correspondent. And you and I both know this industry can be very crazy. Um, You can get like uh, just kind of frustrated and fatigued with so much that goes on. And I was like, I don't don't know. I think I want to back off a little bit. So when this position came, I said, God, you are funny. You know how to redeem the time. I literally had to go back to what uh, my mother had written, what I had written. And it's a note to say Sometimes, when life gets hard for you, when you don't feel like pressing anymore, go back to when things were fresh. Fill your thoughts and mind with that because if it is in your purpose and destiny to do something, it will catch up with you. It's usually
1: not in the time
2: you want it,
1: <laughs> but it happens. I can't let that go past. Your mother used to write White House correspondent on your notes when did. you were young. She said- she said to
2: my award-winning White House correspondent, I immediately, when I got this job, because I'd been in network TV for a while, I was like, oh, well, that didn't happen, but I got close to it. So I was okay with that. I was like, okay, guy And when that happened, I literally went back to a box um, and was digging for the, um, cards. That's what she would sign. So she always spoke purpose at my lowest. She spoke purpose in my diaries when I was, I mean, I've been through some hard times. My diaries even reflected a different tone, but she wrote that in there. I had to find it. So people wouldn't say, no, she didn't. I was like, yes, she did. Yes, she did. And I was, and I'd given up on it.
1: Was there someone that your mom or yourself was seeing on TV that was you yeah. know, your, your mom saw that? Who, who was that?
2: So I wanted to always be a reporter because I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. And I'll tell people D.C. is a bubble, right? So I grew up with Jim Vance, who is a legend, Pat Muse, um, Barbara Harrison, um, just amazing black journalists. And I grew up, in the hood, in the area they used to call Little Beirut at the time because of the level of violence. And so I saw black people as reporters and I loved it. And I said, I want to be able to tell the story in my community that I don't always hear. When I got a chance to actually get in the newsroom, I saw how much D.C. was a bubble. Because when you go outside some of these areas and you go especially over to the West Coast or Midwest, you don't see us. You don't see us, more importantly, all over in upper management positions. You don't see us many times making a decision. You barely see us covering the news. Right. But it's those Important positions and places of power. And that's where African Americans, we've been trying to get in those positions, right? So you hired me to work for you, but I need to also be the one making the decision. That's why it's powerful working for AURN because it is Black owned and operated. Very different.
1: It is very. There's
2: a, there's a freedom. There's a There are conversations, and this is no diss to other networks because I've worked at NBC. That was an amazing grind, right? For network and then for local, I loved it. Wouldn't trade it. But there are conversations many times in this space that I don't have to have because we already get it at the end of the day, right? Even when we're talking about gun violence, um, I was listening to a journalist today on a major network, and he said, "Now we have to have these conversations." with our kids about gun violence. I was like, we've been having conversations. (laughs) Y'all just Okay. Well, all right. Well, you know, now so I'm like the present. But or when I hear people say things like especially coming against some of the movements in our community. How come people haven't been speaking out against black on black crime? Which we know crime happens in all communities and it's all relative, right? I remember being young and seeing organizations come through our communities to deal with police violence and brutality, to deal with what's happening in our communities, what we're doing to each other. It, it it baffles me. So when I first got into news, I was an assignment editor. And so this will also speak to when people say people think things aren't happening and who controls the media. We would come on, look at the news, go through papers, right? This is before we had all the Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And then we would huddle with the managers. We would talk about the stories of the day. The question is, when you figure out what you know and don't know, where you get it from, who's determining the stories of the day? Who's determining the lead? Who's determining what's important? We just had the second anniversary of the killing, the census killing of George Floyd. And when people say, we need to make change for another one happen, No, no, baby. Another one just happened. You just didn't get the memo on it. What happened before that? So just because you're not seeing it, not hearing it, does not mean things aren't taking place. That goes for uh, the good and for the bad. So being a journalist, black journalist of color, especially in that White House, is extremely important and extremely crucial because guess what? I get to keep black in my mouth all day long. I get to talk about the inflation and talk about specifically drilled on the black people consistently. I, I And I don't have to make an excuse for it. I get to talk about rule black America. And so I, I enjoy that. I get to talk to an audience that I'm familiar with and it hits a little differently. I get to ask the question that maybe someone else is not asking or wants to ask, but that's not the angle that their station uh, wants to come from. I want to quote, Sorry if I'm going on too long, but one of my heroes, Alice Allison Dunnigan, she was the first White House correspondent. She worked for the Associated Negro Press. She was also a member of the uh, Senate and House Representatives press galleries. She became a White House correspondent in 1948. Now, of course, they silenced her. Couldn't hardly get the question in, but she was there. But one thing she said about Black press, she said, while the role of Black press is that of objectivity and reporting, right, because we all have to be objective, uh, the news as it happens, she said, it has another function, equally as important, and that is fighting oppression. So we serve a dual role. I think Black people serve a dual role all day long in society.
1: I'm glad that you brought it to that place because with you being in there and having that voice, because you're right, there are conversations that... I grew up naturally having talking about whether it was on my front porch, then amongst my community. And then I remember when I was stationed in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And you're right. When you get around, you know, white folks and other people and an uh, incident happened, it becomes a thing. How something becomes a thing is, like, oh, well, we have to start addressing these issues. And, and you've been talking about these things since you were like four or <laughs> like, five we- years <laughs> old. You know, and, and it's so amazing how I feel when you're being black here in America, especially as a black journalist, you have to know your history and theirs. But they can navigate through life, and they technically don't have to have
2: no. Without office. ever knowing
1: yours, and, and, and they and it won't and it won't damage them. They can still advance. There's no way we can advance without knowing that part of history. When you are in that White House, do you think about when you leave and how the community addresses you? Because the one thing I think about is when COVID had first kicked in, and it was all this misinformation that was just being spread when it comes to the vaccines and what conspiracy was and all of that stuff. Did you feel like you still had to play the dual role even when the mic was off when you left the White House?
2: I always feel that dual role. <laughs> um, and maybe other journalists don't feel that way. And sometimes as a black journalist you're like, please don't let black Twitter kill me if I don't ask this question and <laughs> to go too hard because you know when we get in the space, we're like we need to take over the space. You need to be I mean I have guys like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 Can't just mess up and just act all kinds of fool. Just you know, I just got my seat warm. However, though, there is a responsibility that I have. So when I am asking a question and I ask the question for all of America, right? My 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 history is your history. You may not want it to be, but it is so intertwined. You can't have American history without black history. Like we are the story of America. The, the question we've been talking about democracy and everything is how do we define America and who gets to define that? So when I'm in that room and I'm asking questions, whether it be to the a White House press secretary, which is the new press secretary, is a Karine Karin Jean-Pierre, um, or whether it is to the president at an event where I get to scream out, and maybe he answers or maybe he doesn't. I do feel that weight on me, but that pressure, and it's a good pressure because we need to be there. And I don't get called on all the time. I get called on sometimes. But more than that, it's not even just what happens there. It's what happens in Congress, what happens in the halls of Congress, what they are doing, what they are enacting. It's about the bills that are being passed that people don't even realize. You know, it's it's one of those what happens while you were sleeping type things. and um, and holding them accountable. Because if I don't, my community, you know, Black folk, we come for each other. We come for each other out of play, out of seriousness. That's just how we can. We will come for you. So. It's an honor. I don't take it lightly. I do feel the pressure, but it's a good pressure, right? It's a good pressure. But the role of press, period, the press corps. um, There was a great article written by our president, uh, White House Correspondent um, Association President Steve Tomah. And he said, we are the recorders. We are the historians. When they go back is what we write. So on, on a daily basis, anytime I cover something and I'm a part of the pool, so, just to let people know, a pool is every day. There are about 13 people that follow the president in addition to the whole press corps. So, wherever he goes, we go. If he want to go to Starbucks, we got to sit in the van and wait. <laughs> it'll, it'll like jump out sometimes. You'll see that that long caravan of cars. That's the press in those vans coming through a lot of times. And the president may be in, will go ahead. But we record uh, what's happening. And what happens is that people want to find out what's happening on that day. And, and, and our notes, because we write notes and send them out, they are kept, they're recorded. And many times they were notes, I think even during was it World War II, they went back to look at some of the press notes to document and figure out what was going on at that time. So you are almost like a historian. And it's amazing that your words, your notes are recorded and people can go back years from now to see what happened when she covered the press. I'll give you a perfect example. We went to Dunbar High School and the first gentleman was speaking. And I believe it was three or four journalists in that room that were part of that pool. I was the radio pool for that person. Well, I turned over and watched. I see somebody speak in someone's ear and then call him over while he's speaking to us and it stops. And I'm like, oh, let me get my let me get my phone now. Something about to go down. Turns out there was a bomb threat. And so we were the only ones in the room, right? A moment in time, we're the only ones in the room. It made headlines. Everyone is, I think I was one of the few who decided, oh, let me, let me put my phone up so I can at least record it. You'll have moments like that. Five people in a room, a bomb scare, vice president, the first gentleman is in the room and that's it. And you are the person who's recording that during that time. Those are things that you remember and that you cherish and you have to think about. So you become like a, a town crier for your, community and to America.
1: Now see you just listed a lot of work that I know you have to do. Like I I know that from working in this field. Like I everything you said I saw step by step of it. But to the general public, they sometimes still take information from the YouTubes, you know, the um, the bootleg shade rooms, not even shade room no more. It's like the bootleg shade rooms. They say, you know, they,
2: they're more credible than some other places. Right.
1: right. You know that they and oftentimes the media gets a lot of blame you know it's like blame the media they want a race war and they want all of this what is something that you note that people can probably be aware of on how they can distinguish from credible sources of news versus something that's just propaganda
2: it, it's almost like a, a, a the difference between misinformation
1: and disinformation repeat that one more time please I'm sorry What's
2: the difference between
1: <laughs>
2: like misinformation versus disinformation right? And so am I purposely trying to mislead and you? I believe we are living in a time of greater disinformation, just deliberately. And social media has helped to spawn and fuel that. Look, that's always been, like, that's propaganda, right? People have won wars off disinformation. But now, if it is so easy for the person sitting at home, a young YouTuber, smart in, you know, figuring out hacking or whatever it is, to launch a campaign that reaches thousands or millions or create these small groups that assemble on the dark web and come together and make up lies or put together a deliberate campaign to go against something. And then they coalesce on a day like January 6th. I don't know. Mm. So there's so much going on and being planned in the background that we don't always see. So that's why it's important, even when it comes to your local leaders, when it comes to your local news stations and outlets, you got to first look at motive. You got to follow money trails. You have to figure out, is this really a journalist or do they just have pundits on all day long? You can really see the difference. I always say this. Your local TV versus your network television. Your local TV station a lot of times will give you bare bones. Who, what, when, where, why? Not a whole lot of... You've given me information. You're citing the source. Police say, according to this report, da 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 It's bare bones. A lot of times when we switch over to network, it is opinion. Dressed as fact. Telling the report. I'm not really citing the source. I'm making... And we repeat things so much sometimes that it seems like it's truth. So... You got to dig. I'm sorry. You got to dig. If they say, here's one that I hate, we talk about gun violence. Where's the number one place people always cite? I mean, you might as well count down three, two, one. After I heard Uvalde and Buffalo, I knew the next place they were going to talk about when we talk about gun reform, Chicago. Chicago isn't even the number one place for gun violence. You it's actually not. got to go to through some, even some Republican states before you get to Chicago. Chicago's like number twenty eight on the list. So I think St. Louis is like number one, number two. Ohio, you got to get to Ohio before you get to Chicago. So we have to begin to unpack. And, and so when you see officials come on and they say, "What about Chicago?" you all start to see what's behind that. What are they talking about? They're talking about us. And I, I'm like, I, when already happened, I said, here we go. they about to talk about Chicago. I saw the name of the person. I said, they're about to hit on immigration and they're about to hit on it. Because we've seen this script before. We've seen them get tired of it. We've seen them propose changes and go in rooms and come out and nothing. And so the onus is upon us to cross check, to make sure if, if this is information, you're going to be spitting it as truth. Make sure what you're saying really is truth. Even journalists. We've caught journalists sometimes repeating another outlet. I think we've all done it because we just wanted to hurry up and say it. Didn't say we didn't know where had verified it, but it said it as truth. And then people who are watching go back in our kitchen table conversations and arguments or trying to convince other people. And we are puppets. We repeat the same thing. And so we've got to first, we talk about accountability with our leaders, we also have to be accountable too, because you influence somebody.
1: So my my last one is, you know, in our community, I think the, one of the reasons why we lean towards the misinformation and we have that distrust is because for the longest, the media wasn't kind to us, right? It was it was very cruel to black folks. So we had to depend on what Miss Jones said in our neighborhood for our source, and it almost as if that grew into something else. When you talk about credibility, do you still feel, even now, that you have to fight harder to be credible, being black and being black, a black woman in this game, even still with your twenty years in this experience? Yes,
2: <laughs> there are all types of "show me your papers" examples going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? You look if, if they said, "Told Obama to show your papers," like what in the world, <laughs> yes, people people do that. You know when i got into the industry i had someone say how'd you get here it was a very nice round of oh how'd you get oh how'd you get here i knew what that i knew what that meant i knew what that meant. I knew what that, okay. meant I knew what that meant because but here's what i also understood is because many of them got in because their parents knew or because you know what i mean that 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 legacy thing doesn't just go to you know schools but it is, and maybe it's the wrong way of saying because I'm just thinking about this legacy of like culture, let's legacy of ethnicity. What with that basically how I unpacked that don't see many of you. And, and there's no shade to the person who said it, but she really meant it. Like, hmm, who would you know? How'd you get in here? And I said, God, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I worked hard in my career. Right. I worked hard to get to where I am. I also learned the power of networking. But yeah, there are times I've gone in places now. It doesn't help that I'm short too. Right. So people already like, who is this person? Um, it, it is a, it is a, it's a tough room. It's a tough room for anybody, honestly, coming in. It just is because you're going up against some veterans that are there that I totally respect, that are like gangster in this business that I just love. So you have to fight your way through. But in anything, I don't care whether you're at the White House, whether you are fighting for. Um, to be recognized on your job, first of all, you have to see you. And I go in understanding that my competition, um, even though at the end of the day, it's a business, you know, it's about ratings. But if I am called to be there and that I have purpose in that room, that means that I can't focus on anybody else. I have to figure out what my mission is and be on that. If I do, if I do me all day, every day, I'm doing great. But if I keep my eyes on somebody else... That's when I begin to fail because my mission is not theirs. That can only be me. Can't nobody beat me at being me now. You know what I mean? They can't.
1: Bars. Bars. Ebony McMorris. Bars. I appreciate that. I really, (laughs) really do. I appreciate that. Can you give your social medias and tell people to check out for you before you get up out of here?
2: We need to talk about the election and what's going on. How crazy these folks are. Like, no, bro, what is going on, America? No, well, this ain't going to
1: be the last time you hear. I hope
2: you know. okay. No, I'm,
1: I'm going to hit you on the side. Like we need to talk about this. So this ain't going to be the last time.
2: Yeah, sure. All across social media. It is Ebony McMorris, whether that is Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot. Instagram, you can hit me up. And I'll say this. If you have the story idea, if you are your time, town crier and uh, you want something, uh, now I'm not no investigative reporter, so don't <laughs> don't get me to be uh, Columbo out here, I'm Olivia Pope. But let me know what's going on, and not just the bad. I want to know about the good, right? I just want to end the one of the important things about Black press. Why I love that I can keep black in my mouth all day long is because I can tell the good about what's happening in our businesses. About how uh, we are overcoming, about what we are creating, about uh, groups that, like uh, uh, Greenwood, that are rebuilding, uh, that are buying up land so that we can feed our people. Like those are the stories that I want to see at the top uh, of the news hour. Those are the stories we tell in AURN.
1: I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Ebony Big Morris, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And this was another episode you. of the History Being Black. I am Jay Hall, and I am sitting here astonished. If you can see my face, my eyes are wide open. And I appreciate having my fellow co-worker on here. Thank you very much for everything. Yeah, make sure much you check her sad. out. Yeah, and she works all the time. You check her social media, she always got something going <laughs> on. So make sure you follow her on what you need. Make sure you go to the History Being Black, all of our social media yeah. platforms, and support us. Subscribe. Listen, you can check me out at Jay Hall Society on all social media platforms. Be blessed for successful, and we will talk to you soon. The History of Being Black is hosted by Jay Hall, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcasts. Find the History of Being Black podcast on IG at The History of Being Black. Follow the Mean O Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean Line Media. Get the Mean O Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The History of Being Black podcast is a Mean O Line Media production.